0: Well, happy Labor Day, everyone. How are you? Welcome to Banner Church. We're glad you're here. Are you glad you're here? Yeah. Just want to make sure we're on the same page. Man, it's good to be in the house of God. I don't know about you, but I think this is a great place to hang on a Sunday. Don't you love the presence of God? Come on. If you didn't feel something this morning, man, I don't know what it's going to take because the presence of Jesus was here. So good, man. Well, it's my privilege to uh, continue this morning the sermon series we've been doing on Cultivate. Have you been enjoying this at all? You've been, have you been learning anything at all about cultivating a relationship with Jesus Christ? Because I think that Pastor Josh has been knocking it way deep in the ballpark, man he's been hitting some home runs and we've been taking some things home and I hope you don't just get a good word, you don't just get a good message and you go, that was cool and go home, and Monday through sa- Saturday, it's just like routine. I hope that through the Word of God, you're being inspired to grow in your walk with God, that you're cultivating something a little bit deeper than you had previous or prior. Amen? Amen. This morning, I get to talk and continue this series on, cultivate, on cultivating passion. Passion. And I, I, I love this topic of passion because it's it's not simply a personality thing. I know oftentimes we equate uh, this idea of passion with personality, is that right? Like you think of a charismatic person, man, they got passion. But passion without purpose, passion without a reason to be motivated in your passion is really pretty lame. It's really this hype, it's really this flesh, it's really just energy exhausted that really doesn't take you a whole very far. I hope this morning after we're done that Holy Spirit will do a work inside of you that will cause you to say, not only do I want to be more passionate for Jesus, but I want to to practice it. I want to cultivate it. I want want to nurture what you put inside of me. And I want to live for you, Jesus, like I never have before in a world that needs to know your love. We owe the world an encounter with Jesus. Think about that for a minute not a religious experience. The world needs to know how powerful and how wonderful Jesus is. And when, when we demonstrate through power, we demonstrate through signs and wonders, we demonstrate through love that's unparalleled, the world cannot deny the goodness of God. Cultivating a life of passion. I, uh, this past week, like a lot of us, I was on my phone, probably way too much than I should have been, and I was scrolling through photos. You ever done that and just get lost? Like, oh man, I'll remember that one all of a sudden, my wife is good, I'll get pictures from her, or notes from remember this, remember that, and going back however hour far and I was scrolling through yesterday and I came across a picture of a friend of mine from San Diego his name was Michael Griffiths Michael came into our life a number of years ago completely opposite personality than me. He's an engineer by trade. Uh, I don't think like an engineer. I don't act like an engineer. And it was the God thing that he came to our church. We developed a relationship and we became fast friends. Now, Michael, the reason I want to talk about Michael for just a moment, Michael was uh, about 10 years older than I am. Michael was um, an individual that Many, many, many years ago, he got saved during a Jesus movement in the '60s, early '70s. And Michael had some encounters with God that were, were profound. He was in the lived in the Bay Area of San Francisco, and uh, was a he would call himself a, a a Jesus freak, a hippie. He just was that guy. And um, Michael had a passion. Michael was passionate to see the city of San Diego united for the purpose of Christ. He lived with a passion to see the body of Christ come together, churches, uh, organizations, uh, nonprofits, businesses, to come into alignment and believe together that we could work together to advance the cause of Jesus. We work extremely close together on a thing called Unite San Diego. We did many, many things together. We traveled together. And then all of a sudden, Michael showed up at our weekly gathering and you could tell something wasn't right, So Michael, what's going on? He had a limp, his hip. He was, a, let me just tell you real quick, he was a phenomenal racquetball player. It irritated the, the snot out of me. I mean, we played, I used to play quite a bit. I thought it was decent, until I played Michael. He hadn't played for years, he goes, you wanna play? I go, yeah, let's go play. I step out into the court, I'm not exaggerating, I hadn't played for a long time myself. He's just spanking me really bad. And all of a sudden I turn and he hits the ball, hits me square in between the eyes and just bust my eye open. Just, I'm, it's bleeding. And I'm like, ah, oh, nice. So I grabbed, went to the bathroom, cleaned it up, got a little Band-Aid, I go, let's go back and play some more. Played three more games, Scott beat at all those games and then went to the ER. He's just that guy. So anyway, long story short, Michael uh, went to various doctors and within diagnosis, six weeks later to his death, he was diagnosed with a um, uh, esophageal cancer. Six weeks. The thing that sparked a thought with Michael, and I looked at that picture yesterday, was how passionate he was even in his death even in his deathbed, even in the hospital, he was directing us saying, you need to do this. You need to do that. San Diego needs you. We've got to see unity. We've got it. He was so passionate for what Jesus had shared with him about how it could come, how it should flow, how it should work, that he touched a lot of us in such a profound way. I'm so grateful for Michael, his passion for unity. What passion do you have in your life? I mean, just stop for a moment. If you really understand the statistics, a lot of people in our nation, probably world, go to work, they have a vocation, they make a living, but truth be told, they're not passionate about what they do. They just, they, they, they make, they do what they do, but they're not passionate for it. I'm completely convinced that Jesus created, designed all of us with a specific purpose in mind. Yes, our passion is to serve Jesus. Yes, we'll talk about passion for Christ. Yes, but out of that passion and relationship with Jesus comes a purpose and a passion to live our life in this world. Why? Because when you operate out of your passion and purpose, there's a rhythm of life that's attractive to the world. People see your life and they go, what is it that makes you tick? Why are you so passionate in what you do? Why do you love to do what you do in the marketplace? Now, let me just take you real back real quick. Let me give you some background on this topic of passion and see if we can explain a little bit more about what we're trying to cultivate. So when you look up the word passion in the scripture, you're only going to find it one time in the New Testament. One time. Seems interesting that we're talking about something that's only listed or mentioned one time in the scripture. It's actually talking about the passion of the Christ. You know what I'm talking about, right? When Jesus led up to when he was being led to the to, the, to Golgotha to be crucified, that is what we call the passion of the Christ. It refers to that final period in the life of Jesus where he was being tortured, he was being abused, it was the agony, it was the, 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 the emotion, it was everything that he was carrying on our behalf as it led him to the cross. The word passion comes from the word passio, which means suffering or enduring. And that's what Jesus was willing to do on our behalf. He's willing to suffer and endure the death on a cross so that we would have life and have hope. In the world today. Pretty cool. But cultivating passion is going to require an understanding even beyond what we understood it to mean here with that word in the New Testament passion. Com- cu- cultivating passion will compel us to say no to the wrong things and yes to the higher things. Cultivating and passion will keep you aligned with Jesus' plan and purpose for your life and allow you to stay closer, or I should say it this way, to stay clear of what I would call the riverbanks of calamity. Now, let me, let me just quickly do this. I think it's important to understand that the word passion is only listed one time, but the idea of passions plural is listed throughout the scripture in the new testament 58 times as a matter of fact it says 58 times in 28 verses it strongly exhorts us to fight against our passions and aspire to live godly lives let me touch on that for just a brief moment passions is often described in the scriptures as something that is immoral other, or as a result of our passionate pursuit of things that are the opposite of God's heart for us Romans 1 26 and 27 look what it has to say for us this morning and, this, and, and listen I'm reading scripture here I'm not in any way indicting anyone or anything but this is what the word says Romans 1 for this reason God gave him up to his dishonorable passions for their women engaged in natural relations for those that are contrary to nature And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. For those that don't believe that the New Testament says something about um, living a holy and pure life sexually, you can take Romans chapter 1 verse 26 and 27 Romans six twelve says let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions 1 Corinthians 7 9 but if they cannot exercise self-control they should marry for it is better to marry than to burn with passion Galatians five twenty-four, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires let me give you one more 1 Peter 2.11 says that we are at war internally. Our flesh desires what is not from the Father God, and Peter says it is what is warring against your soul or how to live a holy life. I think it's amazing that the scripture is so clear on what passions are not to be about. Our passions are not to be something that is driven and out of control and out of context for what God desires for your life. God desires greater and higher things for you. God created you in such a way that his plan for you was to walk righteously, to walk holy, to walk according to his purpose as planned for you. As we just read, there's a battle raging inside for what's righteous and what's holy and what's unholy. You see, God created us as humans, as people with emotions, with feelings, affections, which are important for our lives and our relationship with God to suggest otherwise would be unwise. Listen to me. Sometimes we get so worried about using our emotions, our affections, our feelings, uh, those when we worship Jesus. We're afraid that if I get too carried away that people are gonna think I'm weird or that people are gonna judge me. But listen, God created you with emotion. God created you with, with, with passion. He created you to be passionate for him. So it's okay when we come together and we're sensing that God is moving in a mighty way in our service for you to actually move a little bit. It's okay for you to get out of your chair necessarily and come to the front because you want to get closer to the action. It's okay. We're talking about cultivating passion this morning. I've been serving the Lord for a long time, a long time now. And I would say that I'm a passionate worshiper. I would say it doesn't matter where we've been, where we are, where we go. I can promise you that I'm going to want to be as close as I can to the action and I'm going to want to worship with abandonment. I'm going to have my hands raised. I'm going to be on the ground sometimes. I'm going to suck carpet if I need to because I don't need to worry about what you're thinking of me. And sometimes I just need to get in my little, my little space and worship God. Maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe you need to, to, to not, we're talking about passion, cultivating passion. Maybe it's time to stop thinking so much about what everyone thinks about your faith in God and just begin to go after God and his will and his ways for your life and show the world around you that you have a passionate, dedication, commitment to use what's inside of you to glorify God. And I'm in no way saying that doing a backflip on the stage, backflip on the stage is, is, you know, what we're talking about when it comes to work. That may happen. And if it does, we're not judging. We're just going to let Pastor Josh can deal with it. We're just going to say, or maybe it was Pastor Josh who tried to do the, the backflip. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you see... Christ followers are to set their affections on things above and not the things of this world. In no way is it being said that we cannot have things, own things, receive blessings, and and do the things that culture says would be fun to do. It is simply a statement that our motivation in life ought to be found in pursuing an affectionate, passionate, zealous life with Jesus Christ i've said this before i don't want to just show up on sunday sheila and go through the motions i don't want to just show up on sunday mornings and just you know do the religious duty thing and go. i did my church gig going home i'm gonna i'm gonna binge on whatever and i've got monday through saturday to live my life and then sunday i'm back feeling good about my walk with god it's it's got to be more than that You've got to understand the culture that we're living in. You cannot get away with a Sunday dose of Jesus and think you're going to walk well with God and cultivate a life of passion. Passion has to be developed. Passion has to be cultivated. Passion must be recognized in your life, not as personality, but that allowing what's inside of you to be used for the glory and the good of God. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 13, there's, there's this little, one little verse I want to touch on and kind of launch from. The one, it says, the one who endures to the end will be spared or saved. It may be referencing the end of all things. It could be suggesting the end of one's persecution and Jesus' return saves them in their peril. I don't know exactly, but I want to focus on the idea of enduring to the completion of my journey. See, you you will not endure your walk with Jesus to the very end until he comes back or until you die. You will not endure unless you've got the motivation to want to walk as closely as you can with Jesus. You see, the Bible does teach very clearly that there will be no straddling the fence. You're either going to know God and see him face to face someday, or you're going to be on the other side of the fence and, and, and you'll, you will not be follower of Christ. You will not make it to heaven. It's that simple. There is no gray in the middle. You're not just going to straddle the the thing like you're trying to ride a a surfboard and and think you're going to survive. You've got to understand that God wants you not only to endure, but he wants you to thrive until the very end. And I believe with all of my heart that God is speaking to a generation right now. When I look online, I look at the internet, I watch different uh, people I follow that are evangelists and teachers and pastors across the nation. I'll tell you what, I'm not discouraged. I'm encouraged. I see signs and wonders. I see buildings being packed with hungry young adults saying, God, I want more of you. And they're not passive. They're crazy for God. They're passionate for God. They're fueled up and fired up for the things of Jesus. I want to be around that. I want Banner Church to be that church. I want Banner Church to be on fire. I want Banner Church to be known in Mesa as a church that's alive and thriving because they've cultivated passion. They're a church that's passionate for his presence, passionate for family, passionate to be planted in the marketplace and to be used for God. 1 Peter 2.11 says, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your souls. I want you to hear one last time. If you think for one moment that there's not an evil one, if you think for one moment that there's, a, there's no Satan, there's a God, but there's no Satan, I promise you something. The evil one is after you. The evil one wants to distract you. The evil one wants to keep you at bay. He wants to keep you from being a person who cultivates passion, who is passionate for the things of Jesus. I love, I I just love stories. Like I mentioned, my buddy Michael, who was just so passionate to see revival and and unity in San Diego. And I gotta be honest with you, when I looked at that picture, it, it caused me to weep a little bit because I thought, there's some disappointment that we didn't get to see some of the things we dreamt but that's okay because jesus has given us new dreams new passions, new desires and mesa funny thing our church was in la mesa now we're going to be in mesa that's kind of fun He has a sense of humor I, I, anybody, anybody seen on on it's, i think disney plus if you have disney plus has a show called free solo you might seen this Free solo. You seen it? So it's it's a guy named uh, Alex Honnold. I guess you'd say his last name H O N N O L D. He's a free solo climber, and we watched this together in Canada one time. And he's the only one to have achieved climbing uh, El Capitan in Yosemite with no equipment, no ropes, no nothing. Just free. If you have ever been to Yosemite, you've seen El Capitan, or you've El Cap, or you've seen uh, Half Dome. It's crazy to think a person not only climbed it by himself, but he did it in less than four hours. Out of control. What would compel a man to do something so stupid? I'm just asking. Passion. Passion. Nothing else he could do would would bring the kind of resolve that for him to climb that rock. He's passionate to do something no one else had done, and no one's done it since. What compels you to do what you do? I'm just asking. we talk about passion, cultivating something that may or may not be a part of your life. You can tell a lot by a person's beliefs, actions, lifestyle when you, when you look at Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram. Um, you can tell if a person's passion or not for the things of God just by who they hang with, what their language is, what they say, what they do. This dude, free solo man, inspires me to want to do better with God, to nurture my own passion inside. Because I think there's been a lot of, there's been a lot of of passions and desire inside of my life that I've yet to see fulfilled and I've let it sit at, at the foot of the cross and, and I haven't picked it up I just left it there which is not a bad thing but it was it, it was left there in, in probably more of a disappointment mode than it was like Jesus I give you my dreams I give you my visions I give you my heart here's I, I need to pick that back up and say God it's time to step back into those things you promised if we didn't see revival like we thought we'd see it in San Diego then it's time to believe God for a move of his presence in Mesa in the East, County, East Valley in, in Phoenix somebody should say amen to that we need to see a move of God that changes culture and it will not happen by religious duty it's not going to happen because you know the Bible hear me it's not going to happen because you show up on Sunday I'm glad you're here but revival will not simply happen because you are showing up and doing your religious duty. Know what will happen? You know what's going to change things? What will change things and compel us to live from a position of passion for the purposes of Jesus is when you cultivate that passion for Jesus, is that when you, you do things that will build your faith and cause you to live a lifestyle that the world around you either is going to hate or is going to be attracted to. There is not going to be a lot of in between. If there is a lot of in between, it's because possibly we're living a little bit lukewarm. Either they're going to be attracted to your life. How many know love's attractive? People, if you love someone, they, they're, they're, it's attractive. How many know when you pray for someone, hey, would you mind if I prayed with you? I've yet to have somebody reject my prayer. You're walking in the mall, someone's got a limp, God says, go pray for them. You're like, not me. He said, no, I need you to go pray for them. Okay. And you pray, hey, I'm a, I'm, I'm a Christ follower. I'm just passionate for Jesus, and I'm really trying to be obedient as a son of God. And would you mind if I pray? I saw you have a limp. Would you mind if I pray for you? They're not going to turn down prayer. What am I saying? That's because, listen, we're talking about cultivating passion. See, def- passion defined is intense, driving, compelling an overmastering feeling of conviction do you live a life of conviction? just asking because you have to answer that if you're going to live passionately you've got to live out of conviction if God says don't do something you don't do it and then with passion you obey say yes father I'm going to do what you told me to do passion is intense. It's found in ardent affection. It's it's found in an expression of love honestly. It's it's a deep desire. It's a deep interest. I have a deep desire. I have a deep interest. I have an ardent love for God. I want to know him and to make him known. James 5.16 says the effectual fervent passionate prayer of a righteous person avails much in other words it has a lot of power and it has a, it accomplishes a great deal the, the, and the idea behind fervency is you, you, you in in our pursuit of cultivating passion you've got to be fervent in it yeah. and if we're if we're honest this morning a lot of us allow job family obviously little babies sometimes distract us right life distracts us and pretty soon we've lost we've lost touch with that passion to want to intimately walk with God it wasn't anything you did wrong it was just life but you've got to recognize it turn from it and get back into alignment with the father okay so what is what does biblical passion look like you ready I want to mark chapter 12 verse 30 we're gonna spend a couple minutes there and I'm gonna give you four or five quick things on how to cultivate passion mark chapter 12 verse 30 it reads like this "Then one of the scribes i'm reading out the amplified here for this because i like how it reads Then one of the scribes an expert in mosaic law came up and listened to them arguing with one another and noticing that jesus answered them well and asked him which commandment is first and most important of all good question you want to know that one good question What's the most important? And here's what Jesus said. The first and most important one is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And here it is, verse 30. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, understanding, and with all of your strength. I love Jesus when he responds to religious people. I love what he says here. He says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He begins by citing an Old Testament creed that was recited twice a day by devout Jews. What's so important about that? I'll tell you what. He was responding to their debate by asserting the basis of Jewish faith. Yahweh, our God, Israel's covenant-keeping God, the Lord our God is one. He is reiterating something that puts in perspective and in context what he's about to say. Verse 32, you'll you'll read that a little bit further down. The scribe that was asking responds to Jesus' assertion by saying this, you're right. Ha, good job, teacher. Not a bad response. You did well. You said it's true. But then here's what Jesus didn't stop there. Then he says these words. He says, He follows it up with a description of passionate pursuit of really what it means to cultivate passion. You shall love the Lord your God, period. Period. No other gods. No one else. This is an act of volitional commitment. And I would say it's called the 100% Club. Everybody heard it. We all say it often these days. Hey, what do you think about this? 100% believe it. 100%, 100%, 100%. I'm asking you this morning to consider joining my 100% club. And the 100% club says this, I 100% love God. 100%. I was in a conversation with, uh, with a family member not too long ago in my car, my truck, and uh, we, were, we were getting kind of heavy, and, and, and this person said to me, I don't think anything can be 100%. And I said, I will disagree with you right now. Not in in an angry tone at all. I'll disagree. I can 100% guarantee you that if Jesus Christ came back today, I would go to heaven and spend my eternity with Jesus Christ. 100%. 100%. Can you say that this morning? 100%. If I died this morning, I would spend my eternity with Jesus. It's possible some of you can't say that. Don't leave here today without making that right. 100% first thing he says love the lord your god period then he says that love will come out of the whole of your life let's let's look at the whole of your life your heart which is the control center your soul the self-conscious life the mind your thought capacity your strength bodily powers jesus did not leave anything out here he said true passion for my father in heaven looks like this you love him with everything you've got you can't compartmentalize your love. I love God when everything's going well. I'm going to serve him when, my, when I get married someday. I'm going to love God when my children make a decision to follow him. When I get the job that allows me to go to church on Sunday, then I'm going to give 100%. And the Lord's, if I'm reading this correctly, he is saying, that's, that's not 100%. That's compartmentalizing your love for me. And that's not enough. So, As I go through these four things real quick, take some inventory. See where you are with this, okay? Here we go. Number one, heart, the center of of things controlled. It says in the scripture here, uh, what was the scripture? Uh, I'm going to read it and hopefully I can find it later. He called the people to him again and said, hear me all of you and understand there's nothing outside a person. Oh, okay, here it is. Yeah, I think this is out of of, uh, Mark, I believe it is there's nothing outside of a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the room, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, now he's talking to his disciples. They're kind of clueless sometimes. Then he says, then are you also without understanding to the disciples? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile them? since it enters not his heart but his stomach and is expelled thus he declared all foods clean because there was a, a discussion about Jewish foods and how they eat and what they ate and he said what comes out of a person is what defiles him listen to this what comes out of a person defiles him for from within him excuse me for from within out of the heart of a man come evil thoughts sexual morality theft murder adultery coveting wickedness deceit sensuality envy slander pride foolishness all these evil things come from within and they defile a person kind of sounds like culture today doesn't it mark chapter 7 verse 14 through 23 is what we just read and in this passage jesus explains the what and the how we're defiled how do we defile this love how do we defile this heart which is the seat of all things he says this food going into a person can make him unclean Jesus spoke of moral not as a medical sense he spoke of morality not as a medical sense a person is not defiled morally by what he eats even if his hands are not ceremonially washed now listen to this from the outside of a person can defile him morally the reasons that food or any other uh, item does not enter his heart, the control center of the human personality, and therefore it affects his moral nature. Rather, it enters his stomach, a non-moral agent. Now listen to this. Here's what he's trying to say what comes out of a man makes him unclean man meaning non gender man or and or woman makes him unclean a person is defiled morally by what he thinks in his heart even though he may he may observe outward purity rituals see so we're trying to say we're talking about we're talking about cultivating passion and 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 the word of the lord says here's what Biblical passion looks like now. Evaluate these four areas to see if possibly we've compartmentalized a little bit of our passion for God. First thing, evaluate your heart, because out of the heart come what? It's the root of things. It's evil. It's what defiles. What comes out? Wherever you, wherever your heart is, the Bible says you'll find your treasure, what you value most. I know we don't want to. I know we don't want to take time to really evaluate that, but I think it's important. You guys okay? All right. I'm gonna keep going. Let me just say this as we we've, we've wrap up that first thing, the heart. You can judge much about the life of a person by the values they embrace and declare to the world. If what Mark is saying here is true, then the church could be in grave danger and trouble. Not this church, but across the world. When Christians begin to embrace cultural morality and not biblical truth, the power of the church is diminished. We were created to walk in resurrection power. We were created to walk with passion for the things of Jesus. Nowhere can you find in the scriptures that we are to live according to the consensus of the world. Nowhere can you find in scriptures that we're to live uh, a, a, according to what man tells us is, is valuable, what's important. And we, we've got all the hot topics, abortion, rights, sexuality, blah, blah, blah. The reality is the scripture, his word is what is to direct us and define us, not defile us. Second thing I want you to look at is your soul. The self-conscious life. Mark 8:34, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does a profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? The idea here is if you genuinely want to be a disciple of Christ, say no to anything that is selfish in nature or brings false security to your life. He was not saying be, become a, uh, that we have to become martyrs or deny certain things to save our lives, but his explanation of a self-conscious life was to turn away from anything that reeks of idol worship, which is self-centered in nature. Do not allow anything that marks your life as ones whose self-interests are more important than others or saying yes to Jesus and his word. You guys okay? I'm gonna keep going. He then says, he then says to counter this, self-conscious life to counter this he says pick up your cross and follow me we're talking about what it looks like to have a biblically passionate life first your heart you want to make sure your heart is where it should be secondly he's saying if if you want if you want your if you want your soul to come into alignment with a walk uh, come into alignment with a passionate life with me then you need to pick up your cross and follow me by doing so you're willing to deny your own will and ways by following God's will and ways it's a life of servanthood third thing real quick in the mind thought captivity Colossians 1 9 and so from the day we heard we have not ceased to pray for you asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding The knowledge and control of God's will come through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And this is more than simple intelligence. The word wisdom refers to comprehension of truth, while understanding refers to the application of truth. So you can be super wise in the word, but not apply it. You can listen to everything we talk about on Sundays, everything you learn in a small group, and never make application and you wonder what's going on in my walk with God. The last thing of those four with strength, bodily, with thy strength. This commands our energies. Thou shalt put intensity into thine affection, do it with thy might. Ecclesiastes 9:10, very King James right there. Wh- whatever, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. There is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in, shape, in hell, basically, to which you're going. What he's trying to say is, when you do something for God and you're developing passion for Jesus, do it with all of your might. I can tell you our, our church team right here, every single Sunday, this team works with all their might, puts all their energy into getting everything set up for this service. That, to me, is a reflection of a passion to want to know God. Now, let me just quickly jump into a few quick things Here. That I think will help us cultivate. Did that make sense to you? So the biblical model for passion, love the Lord your God with what? Your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Is that right? Those, that's that is a great model for you to pursue. I give you ways to evaluate and look at that. Now, let's look at some practical these are super practical. Number one, few ways you can cultivate passion. Number one, immerse yourself in God's word. You, 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 you can't be passionate for Jesus if you're not in his word set aside personal intimate moments with, I struggle with this I gotta be honest my ADD kicks in and I just get like I get in a quiet place I'm like oh man where's the music where's Pastor Josh you know he's gotta you know, where's the team they're gonna come up and lead me in something I just get lost I find my best times with the Lord is when I I turn worship music on. I just get the word out and I just begin to read. Ask God, reveal yourself to me. Engage in personal reading and heartfelt reflection of his word. Psalm 119, 105 says this, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Second thing I want to give to you is this. First one is immerse yourself in his word. Secondly, foster a vibrant prayer life that comes out of that if you're spending time with the Lord you're in the word out of that word you're gonna you're gonna spend time in prayer you've got to you've got to foster you've got to develop it intimate conversation with God hey Jesus I'm a little confused how come this happened hey what's going on with with this different situation hey I need Lord I need you to touch my children today hey God I'm, I'm a little bit afraid that my job's gonna end see that's that's the kind of that's the kind of intimacy he's looking for in you He's looking for you to cultivate this passion that says, I'll cultivate a passion by praying and spending time, sharing my deepest hopes, my fears, my dreams with Jesus. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And I love this, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Third thing I want to give to you is this. We just touched on it, but engage in meaningful worship. There's been moments when I really didn't feel like loving Jesus at all. I stepped into a building like this. The worship started up, and immediately I was caught up into the heavens with God. Immediately, all my fears, all my attitudes, all my, my disappointments, everything, everything, everything went away. It kind of reminds me of when King David and Saul were having an issue, and Saul was doing what he did to David. And he would take a spear and he would throw it at David. And all David would start to do, my words, my interpret, he'd just begin to worship, begin to sing, begin to play something. And all of a sudden, the demonic part of Saul would just relax and chill. I felt that sometimes in my own life. All the things I was feeling in worship, Psalm 150, verse 6. Let everything that hath breath, praise the Lord. Everything that has breath. If you have a breath? Praise God. Another thing I think would be important to cultivate as you take up your cross is to serve with a compassionate heart. Acts of kindness, taking your eyes off of your circumstance, and putting on someone else, serving someone else's need, helping someone else that has some kind of a struggle. Emulate Jesus' selfless love, selfless love, by reaching out to those in need with compassion and grace. Galatians 5.13, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. I would say this, just in terms of the context of this church, find a place to serve. Get involved with ministry. Discover and utilize your gifts and talents. Serve within our community. Extend our love to the world by being involved in some context or way at Banner. 1 Peter 4.10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. I say the last thing that we can do to kind of cultivate passion. Find contentment. With Jesus. Find contentment in your walk with God. Seek, seek fulfillment in your walk with God by getting alone with Him. Release our grip on all the desires that we have in the world that are just going to pass away just release those and give them to Jesus find your contentment in him Psalm 37 verse 4 to let yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart so this is this is what I want to do this morning Close your eyes with me. Just pray for a sec. Father, thank you for our time together today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for how good and kind and gracious you are. Father, I pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I ask in this moment, God, that there would have been, see, Lord, I've learned a long time ago, you will allow someone to hear what needs to be heard, not necessarily what I said. And I pray that something was spoken this morning Either my message, in the worship, in the prayer, in the greeting, in the welcome, anything that, God, you have spoken to someone this morning about where they are with you. So first of all, I want to pray for anyone in this place this morning. That needs to get right with Jesus. You know, you you know, you're straddling the line. You're not passionate for God. You're not you're not pursuing God. Matter of fact, you're probably more on the other side of the fence in terms of of what you engage and what you believe and what you watch and who you fellowship with and who you have relationship with. But this morning, you're sensing a tug in your heart. You're sensing that you know. Listen, guys, I I'm pretty convinced that Jesus is is going to return pretty quick my quick isn't his quick so my my quick might be in the next few years his might be a hundred years I don't know but I know this I don't want to play that I don't want to play that game I want to know that if it was today I would be ready to he would I would be ready to meet Jesus face to face if you're here this morning you say I, I can't I, I can't I just don't know I'm not sure if that's you. I want you to catch my eye. I'm going to pray for you this morning. I'm going to believe God that you're going to come to Jesus this morning and this will be your day of salvation. You're going to turn towards Jesus and you're never going any other way but towards Jesus, man. You're going to be a passionate, radical follower of God. If that's you this morning, catch my eye. Anybody here? It's a safe place. It's okay. It's okay. Took your last breath today, you know you spend eternity in heaven. I hope so. I want to see you all there someday. Lord, I do sense that there was there was some some contemplation there. So, I just pray in Jesus' name. You, you pray this prayer, Father. Forgive me of all my sin. Cleanse me from all wrongdoing against you cleanse my life come into me i give you permission to come into my life and be the lord of my life not just the savior but the lord of my life save me from my sins yes save me from eternal death yes but also give you permission to lead my life in jesus name You prayed that prayer welcome to the family of god we're glad that you're now a born-again christian thank you for praying that prayer now stand with me stand with me let's do this Let's take the practical application of the message today. We have a biblical model of what passion looks like. We gave you some things that you can do to to potentially, you know, um, cultivate that passion. But I want to ask you just very practically, everyone's looking around. I'm not not gonna bow your heads. We're not gonna look down. Like, we're not doing that game. We're family here. So anyone here would say, hey, Barry, I I want more passion. I want to live more vertical with God, so my horizontal people know that I am committed to to God. I'm living for Him. I want that to be the norm of my life. I don't want to be like like Peter and deny Him three times. How that happened, I don't know. To see someone you know raised from the dead and healed, and I I don't know how you deny that, but he did. If that's you this morning, like Barry, please pray for me. I want right? There's one. Anybody else? More, 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 more. Okay, listen, here. those of you that get your hands raised, I'm really big, I'm really big on activation. I believe that this is one thing, but this is another thing. Stepping into what you're asking God to do does something inside of you. So I'm asking the band to play and lead us. I'm going to ask every one of you lifted your hand just to make your way to the front real quick. And our team is just going to pray for you. We're going to pray God's blessing over you. We're going to pray that He would stir it up inside of you, remember passion isn't about emotion but if you start feeling emotion, let it go that may be the thing that God's asking of you this morning come on, come on, come on, come on don't wait, don't wait, if you didn't raise your hand that's okay, get up here maybe you wanted salvation this morning get up here, come tell us you need Jesus in the name of Jesus I pray more of your glory right now God God I'm praying that the months and years to come That you'd make Banner Church a place of safety for people to come and find you. I'm asking you, God, to develop and allow Banner Church to become a hub where the glory and the presence of God resides. I'm asking you, God, that they would be known, we would be known for passion in our worship, passion in our pursuit of you, passion, God, in our intimacy with you, passion, God, to release signs and wonders to the world around us. So I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Banner Church Podcast. We hope this message was impactful for you. Check the episode notes to visit our website, follow us on social media, and subscribe to our podcast. We'll see you again next week.